Well, I'm Simon Scholes. I'm the founder and creative director of Perception Studios. We're an award-winning visual marketing agency, and we help brands and businesses create content that helps them stand out on social media. However, a few years ago, it became very obvious to me that not every brand, not every business was in a position to spend endless amounts of budget on having content created for themselves. But social media is all about being consistent. So if you are not consistent on social media, how can you fix that? And that is the million dollar question. So what I did was I sat down and I came off a protest and I called it out to nine times your social media. Basically, I, I took all the stuff I was talking about, bastardized other things people were talking about, turned it into a book. It went to number one on Amazon, which was awesome. Um, you can still get it for like 99p in the section below. And basically, it takes you through from everything from planning your content all the way through to podcasting and all the stuff that happens in between. And that's what I want to try and do is get you to do is, is start creating content for free. What can you do yourself that won't cost you a penny to create content? How can I help you create that content? The Social Media Podcast with Simon Scholes. Tips, hints, and great content ideas. And today, I'm going to talk to another business, another brand, who create content themselves. And it's an area that a lot of people have spoken to me about over the last few months, especially since lockdown started at the very start of this year. When was it? March, whatever it was. And I've had charities get in touch and say, what do you think we should be doing as a charity content-wise? Now, I have my own viewpoints, but how about instead I pull on somebody who I know has a viewpoint themselves? This is David Willett uh, from Solby Hospice. Hello, David. Hello, Simon. It's great to talk to you today. Um, so, first things first, um, you talk to David Wallet as well. I should should point that out. Um, you're not a doctor, doctor, but you are a doctor. <laughs> you are a doctor. Um, so, explain first off, first of all, what's your background? My background, similar to yours, is radio. Um, is it's been a radio a career um, lasting many years. Um, presenter, producing. And, and I think over those years, understanding audience, which ultimately everybody has to do now, uh, particularly if you're in marketing and things, you have to understand who you're talking to and why you're talking to them and how you can talk to them. So those kind of things have helped. That, that, that career has certainly helped see where I'm going now and understand what it's all about. So you work for Salisbury Hospice. What, what does you do for the hospice themselves? So I look after all their uh, marketing, their communications, anything that goes out to um, our supporters and also not just our supporters, but people who are not our supporters yet. People who've never heard of us. I have to, you know, carefully craft stuff that, that can that can cross those boundaries as well. Um, my job also involves um, sort of talking to the clinical team as well, um, you know, talking and, and providing messaging to them about what we're up to and what we're doing. And, and, and that works the other way as well, um, taking information from our clinical team to package it to our supporters in a kind of non or less clinical way. Okay, so so I mean, without wanting to delve too deeply into it because it's quite a dark subject, but what do the hospice actually do themselves, and what what is their modus operandi? Well, it's funny, you know, when I first started the role, um, and, and it's true of a lot of people too, they have um, sort of an idea of what a hospice is, and and it, it is a sort of you know end of life, sure, um, but they think quite often when you go to a hospice, that's it. And it really isn't. It's totally, totally different. Um, it really is a light, refreshing, glorious place, which is totally different from what you may imagine. 
and then you know it's quite often people think to that, that when you you come to a hospice you, you're coming to right at the end of your end of life care and that's not true either we have a lot of people who will be cared for in our in our hospice and, and many other hospices across the country who will be going back for many years so it, it's a very different you know that, that I, and in many ways that's my job i have to show people what a hospice is all about okay so how do you approach that then because obviously you're trying to break down that barrier. Um, what what would be your first line of attack? Well, in many ways, it's just telling people what our our amazing nursing team does, and you know, and, and you know, and basically trying to give an experience to people about our hospice in a fun, friendly way that really shows them about, uh, you know, the sort of day-to-day things that go on. And the therapies, for example, we do exercise therapies with a lot of our uh, our patients. Um, this, I should say, package this up and say before COVID, because obviously COVID has changed things a lot. Um, Just a smidgen, yeah. Just a lot, yeah, a little bit, and, and you know, yeah, we've, we, you know, even though it's changed things, we're we're trying to remain the same. You know, we're doing it remotely, so we've had to the the, the, the clinical teams have had to work very quickly and very fast, much like the charity team, to change things to a more digital way of doing things. But that's happening. But going back to your point, it's basically showing people how and why you know they do things in the hospice and and. and and make people understand that it is a lot more than you know people see it as the right end of life and it's not it's, it's actually about care for people who may have been diagnosed with a, a long-term terminal illness you know but actually that terminal illness is not going to end tomorrow it could end many years from now you know and it's about the care that is involved in that i was going to ask you've mentioned it lockdown how has the charity Kind of moved forward in lockdown you, you've talked about digital has it been a, a vast massive pivot transformation for them we were really lucky because we were already on the digital side and we were already doing lots certainly from when i started there we were doing lots on all of our social medias so we had a quite a decent audience to start with but but of our big things um, right from the beginning of course is events you know obviously we have various segments of our fundraising but events is one of those a key one not just for fundraising but also to get our name out there and publicize what we do um you know we had big multi-participant events you know play, take place in the summer sometimes had, like runs and walks and all that kind yeah, of stuff don't yeah a thousand people you know and these were all being planned you know back in january february before the world went mad um you know and and terrible you know as it is terrible covid happened we suddenly when it, we were realizing things were going to change in march we thought well hang on a minute events is not going to be something we can rely on anymore we've got to change mm-hmm. things very quickly and we were at home you know home working and doing zooms and catch-ups and we were like you know it was a daily basis we were changing things and flexibility was key um whereas before you know our events had been very much you know that's what we do then we do that one then and it it, it was very um you know already built in stone what we were doing suddenly mm-hmm. in march everything was thrown out and we had to just change everything to digital so, so rather than completely deleting those events have you rather than re- even rescheduled them have you taken them digitally have you considered that as a charity absolutely um you know right from the beginning digital became the thing and we were really really lucky because our supporters completely bought into that they completely you know it was i know it was a, it, i don't want to say 
I will say it, honeymoon period right back in the beginning of um, of, uh, of lockdown because people couldn't quite get what was going. You know, we were all at home. We all had suddenly loads more time, you know, um, and people just got behind us as a charity because they knew that, that, that you know, with lockdown, our events would be cancelled, you know, income would be significantly lower. And yet they were, we, we seem to have a surge in digital and virtual um, eventing for us, which was incredible. So has that, has that included things like, obviously, like the London Marathon, cancelled the London Marathon, they had the elite race, but then also people could go and run the marathon themselves. and that. So like those kind of events have people said, right, you know what, I can't do the Salisbury Hospital run or I can't be sponsored by them to go and run the London Marathon. I will still do it and raise money for them. Have they, have they done that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, one of the game changers right back in the beginning was a thing called the 2.6 Challenge. And it was something organised by the London Marathon guys. 2.6 being 26 miles, 2.6, mm-hmm. you could either do something that was 2.6 minutes or 2.6 miles or 26, you do something with the number two and six, uh, you know, you can remember seeing something to do with the fact that you did it around your living room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was obviously locked down and I did a 2.6 kilometers or 2.6 miles, 2.6 miles around the, around the sofa. You know, it took what time it took and I got some sponsorship and we raised some funds and I was just one of millions of people who took part not just for our charity but for many other charities too who really did at the beginning kind of take that idea that you could do something virtually remote Hmm. away from everybody else but still feel part of a bigger family feel part of all those other fundraisers doing it at the same time and that made such a big difference not just to me but to all of our stakeholders if you like um, all the trustees and the charity all of the management they suddenly realize as we all did because we're all new to this that this could really work and from that moment forth the 2.6 challenge became other virtual events and we we started to think quickly about changing all of the things that we could do to become virtual events mm-hmm. and I, I suppose as we have a lot of businesses social media were your bosses scared of it effectively a bit worried about what might potentially happen from it i think that's always the way i don't think that'll ever change i think people will always be to a degree as i am you know i'm constantly monitoring what people are saying how it's being viewed all those things i don't think you can ever not do that but sometimes you do have to release the reins a little bit and go you know what we're going to see if it's going to work and like anything it's got to be from the heart when you're talking to your your audience it's got to be the truth it's got to be honest you know we are in a a difficult situation we're in a a totally different challenging situation (laughs) to where we were last year if you're honest with people people will reach out as well and go you know i want to help you so one of the things I've always said about social media for charities, and you've kind of said it yourself, is to explain the story behind the charity. And for most charities, especially your own, but lots of other charities as well, it's all about doing that case study element, speaking to the people who you've helped or the families you've helped, creating video content, blog content, that kind of thing. Alongside that, what else do Salisbury Hospice do, for example? Is there any other regular content that you guys create that will then help you show the values of what you do what it is that you do and then putting that content out is there anything else you guys do absolutely i mean you you mentioned all of the um the ones we do their case studies talking to families um i was interviewing a lady this morning who's doing the uh, land's end to john and groats walking it virtually wow. so she's walking a daily walk of five to eight miles you know every day and over the period of the year she will walk from land's end to john and and it's 
you know, talking about her experience with our hospice, her father-in-law um, passed away in our hospice, you know, why she's doing it is there, how she's doing it. And, and, you know, that becomes a big deal because then you can talk to other people about, you know, how they might want to do a virtual event, you know, to help supporters. They might think, oh, I didn't even think about it. I I'd love to get involved as well. So there's all that kind of content. Then there's the content from our nursing team and our, our uh, you know, the, the, just showing what it is our nursing team do and, and you know, the importance of that. And, and, you know, that's hugely popular with all of our supporters. And rightly so, because ultimately they are, without them, we wouldn't be here either. So, you know, it's a case of yeah. relationship. Yeah. And, um, and it, that's a hugely, in terms of, if I was to go, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing, but if you're going on likes on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of those things, uh, it, you know, the, the hospice team is, is the, the, the Holy grail mm -hmm. and what they do is the Holy grail. And, and also uh, obviously our supporters and what they're doing is the Holy grail too. Outside of that other content that we tend to generate can be really, you know, other things just about, you know, I, it could be simple as like me going down to the hospice garden and taking a photograph and just talking about how lovely the garden's looking at the moment, how that impacts our patients' lives, how it's important for calmness and all those things. Those are really big deals as well, but I can generate that myself. Yeah, I don't need to I mean, make. I was just going to say, how much content do the the hospice and yourself, because obviously you're the marketing team, um, how how much content do you kind of manifest? Do you have, like you said, the photographs? Do you have podcasts for the hospice? Do you have YouTube channel or the type of things? Absolutely, a YouTube channel um, which contains all our video content for the website. I kind of use that as a back end. So I use the, the, the YouTube. We don't necessarily promote it, but it's back end mm -hmm. enough for our website so I can embed it on there. Um, yeah. I would also say that, um, you know, with the podcast, interestingly, we do have a podcast. That came out of lockdown because I wanted another way to engage people um, in a different way, in a totally different way uh, that, that, that incorporated a little bit of my previous past history skill of, of being able to put something together and mm -hmm. also some of the interviews that people may have missed along the previous two years I'd been there. You know, so I took some of that content and just as you know, re reused. Um, uh, and, yeah, and, and, yeah, exactly. And put it into a podcast and it worked really well. Then I found I was burning it quite quickly. Um, so we got halfway through lockdown. I'm thinking I need some other content. So I started thinking, well, actually we can start interviewing people who are now doing virtual events for us and mm -hmm. promote that. And it's turned into, it, I would love it to be a weekly one. It tends to be once every two weeks, um, just because it's hard to get people to come on sometimes. Um, and I want it to be good content um, and interesting content. So yeah, the podcast has been gr going really well. We're at a point now where it would be lovely to get a sponsor yeah, I mean, who would have thought about that in the beginning, you know? So you can oh, actually yeah. sponsor it as well. So anybody out there, love to sponsor it. Great. Um, you know, it is a case of, you know, one of those things that, that, that came out of lockdown. Um, we weren't doing it before, but we definitely are now. Cool. And so with social media and and it's such a vast area, where, where do you find your audience is most likely hanging out? Because obviously you're going to have donations from corporate all the way through to individuals so do you have to spread yourself mega thinly or do you go right i understand who we understand who our main avatar is they're the ones who give the most money that's where we'll put the most content do you have a place that you, you spend the most time i think that 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 um you know it would be lovely to say we'd analyzed exactly where where the content should go i think i can tell you honestly facebook is a really big one for us a lot of our supporters are there and we'll share stuff 
and we do a lot of advertising on facebook too um we also use twitter uh instagram is is, is bigger for us than 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 it used to be a lot bigger um again it, it's it's how people consume things for us because on facebook they consume stuff and they really read it and they'll they'll like it or love it or whatever or share it great instagram as well they're really big into that twitter is is not as engaging for us we we find um yeah it, can be it depends on the post as well so for example if it's a really nice post about our day center for example and somebody's done a lovely uh, picture painted a lovely picture yeah, that might go wild on on twitter and it might do really well on facebook and and on instagram and then other days you post something you think is going to really work on twitter and it just doesn't and you think well okay you know one of those so that, leads, that leads me to ask the question then uh, and this is a difficult one to ask because i know you've got a lot of other things on your plate and you're spinning many plates and stuff like that do you then follow the rule of being social on social media or is it more we put stuff out because we want people to see it and then have to step away because you've got other things to do. Absolutely that. Absolutely that. I mean, I think that's one of the things, the problems any marketing person will have who's on their own is that, that, you know, you, you, you feel like you absolutely should be putting stuff out there across. So it, it, everything's the same pretty much. Mm. You, you take the things for different, like Twitter, you can only, <laughs> characters and things like you do tailor you have to uh, but generally speaking yes we will be putting things out that we want to put out there um the social side of it we like to gain a better um you know uh, an ability to have time to do that totally mm. yeah absolutely i think any anybody who, who um yeah if you if we had a team of people doing it we would absolutely you know we, we're quite social with 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 you know people who ask us questions and and go back and you know things like that but but you know we could always do more in that respect but unfortunately you just don't have the time to do the reaching out yourselves basically absolutely absolutely that and and i think you know particularly um you know with with um some of the events we do you know we could we could definitely you know maybe tag a few more people or mm -hmm. you know do a bit more conversational stuff absolutely for sure so what does the future have in store for the hospice then we've just dropped into another lockdown in the uk of course um obviously you hope to do more podcasting is there anything on the horizon events wise content wise that you're thinking right this is coming i must mention this absolutely next year is a big one for us it's our 40th year of providing uh, palliative care to our region here in um, in wiltshire and in south wiltshire and across we, we're, we've got a big patch actually um and it you know and for us it's it's a huge deal and you know covid has changed a lot of what we had planned to do but it's not going to make it any any worse i don't think for us we're just going to have to come at it a, a different angle um mm -hmm. you know we're not and also one of the critical things is not to come at it like we like nothing's happened we have to at least engage in the fact that this year has been incredibly difficult for people and you know, very exactly and, you know, it's, it's kind of like not just come in and say you know hey what guys it's our 40th anniversary here's a big appeal because people are just going to go have you not noticed what's happened you know so we yeah. have to be very um understanding and, and pitch the mood of what we talk about to our audience, you know, understanding what we've all been through together. Yeah, almost doing like your London Marathon Challenge, but for 40, so climb 40 yeah. steps or 40 flights or 40, 40 miles or 
Absolutely, you know, and, and doing some wonderful initiatives, um, you know, which we just have to do and pitch in the right way because also there's that level of being a charity. We have to, if we're going to market ourselves in the right places, we want to do it with an understanding that people might think, well, hang on a minute, you've been through all of this and times are tough for charities and you're spending all this money. So you have yeah. to think about it from a, a supporter's point of view and make sure that they understand that we are utilising budgets in the right and proper way, you know, to gain the maximum we can to, to raise the maximum funds we can for our hospice. Absolutely. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, I'm going to get all your links for the, for the hospice and I'm going to put them in the section below after, after we've um, finished on here. Um, but if there was one place you want people to find you, you mentioned Facebook. Is that kind of the place you'd really like everybody to go? It would be lovely to to join us on Facebook and find out more about our hospice because the team there are truly incredible. And it's, it's do you know what? It's yeah, it's one of those things. It's the stories. It's always about the stories, and they are lovely stories, and they do hit you right there. And yeah, obviously Facebook and our, our main website, SalisburyHospiceCharity.org.uk. We're always on there. Fantastic, Dave. Thank you very very much. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to remove you right now, but I'll come back to you in a second. <laughs> Thank you to Dave uh, for chatting to me today on Dazed and Confused. Uh, as always, I'll be back again on Monday with another live. Uh, it'll be at a who knows what time because obviously it's daddy daycare and we have to work around nap time. But until then, thank you very much for watching. Hopefully you're okay out there. I know it's only day two of lockdown, but I know some people will already be struggling. So do reach out to anybody you know if you need some help. And uh, obviously, if you're really interested in what Dave was chatting about, want to know more about the Salisbury Hospice, so just generally how charities maybe are using social media. I'm sure if you reached out to him and asked a few questions, he'd be happy to answer those. I'll put all the links in the section below so you can go and click on those, whether you're watching live right now or on the replay or listening to the podcast. But until Monday, have a great weekend and continue, as always, to stay safe. Have a good one. Bye. This was a Perception Studios production.